Welcome to the Writers Institute podcast. I'm your host, Paul Grandall, the director of the New York State Writers Institute at the University of Albany. We're very excited for today's guest at the Writers Institute, Rick Riley, best-selling author of 13 books. One of my favorite is Who's Your Caddy? But he's written some novels, some brilliant books, but he's here today to talk about this incredible book, Commander-in-Chief, Cheat, excuse me, Commander-in-Cheat, great title, How Golf Explains Trump. We're going to get right into it. Welcome to Albany, Rick. Yeah. Have you and been I think here? I was the only guest in the Ford Orange Club last night. Yeah. I was walking around playing all the pianos. Well, they told me you played beautifully. The last guy that played in here was Jeff Goldblum, she told me. He was here for a movie. And Jeff Goldblum? Apparently plays well. She said, you've played uh, it better than Jeff Goldblum. That's lovely. Well, I had fun. <laughs> had you been here to Albany to cover any sporting event or anything before? God, I've been around so long. I think right. I have. But I was hoping to go see the Capitol today, maybe after the deal. But yep. uh, it's a great town. Yeah. it's good. I, and one of my favorite uh, writers is William Kennedy. And Iron Weed and all that. And then I heard he started this thing. He did. He's 92. He's actually... He's, he's still alive. Not to, yeah, I've got a book. Uh, we did a biography of him that I'm going to get a What's he like? Him. Fantastic. I mean, a guy who, who started newspapers like, like, yeah, know, yeah. like I did. He started the Albany Times Union. Loves to shoot pool. Loves to drink red wine. <laughs> likes to. So we had Francis Ford Coppola here. He, he got pulled in when Puzo couldn't deliver to what the producers never wanted on the Cotton Club. Kennedy wrote yeah. the screenplay with Coppola. Really? And, and anyway, yeah, the Albany's full of great stories. But, but this book, it starts out, Trump <laughs> claims 18 club championships. And you're well, now 20. Oh, 20. Oh, it's going up. Yeah, since, since he's been president, he won two more. Two or three in, in the book, I think. But you've <laughs> played with other presidents. You write about the history of presidents playing golf. Why right. does this guy have to be the cheater, the liar, the faker. Why, why? I don't know, because he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Tiger says he's about a 10. Right. Brad Faxon says he's a 10. Uh, uh, some guys think he's a 9. So he's a 9 or 10. That's I, pretty good. I was about a 10 30 years ago. I'm, I'm like a 14 now. What's your handicap? I got to ask. You play a lot. Six? Okay. Okay. Good. So if you're a 10, right. that puts you as among our greatest golfing presidents. Right. Like uh, Roosevelt probably would have, FDR would probably would have been our greatest president. Then he got polio. I mean, he won actual club championships where we have proof. We have the whole scoring sheet. Right. Trump wins these tournaments. He doesn't even play in them. He, he also does it before he opens the course, right? And well, he just calls it. He was on the campaign trail. I didn't even want to write this book. Right. I was done. I was retired. I was living in Italy. And I see on my phone, I'm a great champion. I've won 18 club ch- That's why you should vote for me. And that's against the best players. No, you liar. Because he'd already told me, because I've known the guy 35 years. Right. He told me how he won all these championships. Whenever he buys a new course, he plays the first round by himself. And he declares that. The <laughs> ch- that's ridiculous. And then, so I started looking into it like, this guy. He won one tournament. He was in Philly. He, uh, he was in Philly. His club at Bedminster was having a tournament of the club championship. He's in Philly. He calls in, so what won today? And the guy goes, oh, Joe Schwartz shot a 74. I beat him all the time. Make me the champ. And that's how he got one. Yeah. Since he's been president, he won one when he was in Singapore with Kim Jong-un. They were holding it at Trump in Florida. Right. <laughs> he shows up a month later, sees the guy who won, and says, I'll play you six holes for the title. And he cheats in the six holes and declares himself the champion there. What I how, do you, this, how do you deal with a guy like this? I love this book, though, that you took your reporting skills. You went down point by point. <laughs> and the end, 
the, the cheating with his developers, the, the, the partners, yeah. is, is unbelievable. It's I see on Twitter you hammer him every day. Is it having any effect? Has he ever responded? Has he taken up your bet that you will take him head-to-head for 100 k I bet him 100 grand, right. but we have to have cameras mm-hmm. and a USGA rules guy, and he can't use one of his cheating caddies who have in their pockets four-inch green tees that he gives them so that he can tee up in the rough oh, when you're no. not looking. That's a new yes. thing that's going to be in the next I, I in the didn't paperback. hear that in here. Yeah, it's I, new. I, he's got a foot wedge to beat all foot wedges. Well, they call him Pele. Caddies <laughs> call him Pele. He kicks it so much. So, no, he has not responded. And, you know, if you send that guy a mean tweet, right. he will rip you a new one. Right. And the reason is because he can't refute this. No. There's so many people. Since the book has come the out. i people you got to talk to you. I mean, right. So many people have emailed me and called me and come up to me since the book came out. I've had to do a whole new chapter. He, he cheats nonstop. Right. There are a thousand stories about the guy cheating at golf. And every time, this is in the new chapter, every time when someone calls him up, you can't cheat like that. This is a money game, Donald. He says the same thing, which is, hey, I cheat on my wives. I cheat on my taxes. You don't think I'm going to cheat on my, gol- uh, my own golf course? Which is kind of funny, but also terrible. It is, but this is what gets me. You love the game. I love the game. I played with my dad, my brothers. I play with my friends. You respect the game. This guy has sullied the game. Why is he in line for a second term? Does this say something about our country as much about this guy? I mean, this is what what I can't understand. Why doesn't anyone stop this guy in his tracks? The, the reason I wrote the book is like it's not a political book. Right. It's a golf book. Yeah. I, you I love the game. I don't know anything about politics. I know about golf. He doesn't offend me as a voter. He offends me as a golfer. Right. He drives on greens. That's, that's he 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 boozles his ball on every shot. He has his caddy kick it out of the bunker. One time at a course I play in LA, he hits it in the pond. Everybody sees it going to the pond, but by the time they get it get there, it's on the fairway. And they're like, Donald, what's going on? We're playing twenty bucks a hole. He says, must have been the tide. <laughs> now, how do you respect a guy yeah, like that? Uh, so uh, the reason I wrote the book is to say, look, you can think whatever you want politically, but Arnold Palmer, your friend right. and, and my friend, always said that he would never go in business on a deal with a guy before he'd played golf with him. And I asked him once why. He said, because if he's going to cheat me at golf, he's going to cheat me at everything. And that is so true yeah. for Trump. He y- cheats at golf. You can see the way he cheats at everything. Right. He lies. He doesn't pay people. I think he owes 12 cities right. for the money on these rallies. That's what's happened to people in golf that work for him. Architects, painters, uh, just cabinet makers so haven't people, been paid. Why does Tiger go play? Why does Bubba play with him? Why, why do these people still still go play with this guy? I asked that. Yeah. So when Faxon Tiger and Dustin Johnson played with him, and he cheated right in front of Faxon, who was on his team, Cheating Tiger Woods, arguably the greatest player. Like, wouldn't you think Tiger would know if you're cheating? I said, Faxon, why didn't you call him on the cheating? Right. And he said, because we all wanted our own stories. Everyone's got a story. We, right. haven't, we hadn't played with him yet. Right. So it's kind of like this larger-than-life cartoon figure, and they want to, years from now, say, I played with Trump. You wouldn't believe what he did in the bunker. Right. I mean, you talk about, you've played with several ex-presidents. Who was the most enjoyable? I mean, you describe their games in the book. Clinton. Why? Oh, he was so fun. He was just a regular guy. He was telling jokes. It was so slow, though, because he would hit what we call billigans. Right. He'd hit his first shot, and he would play it, but he'd hit five, six, seven more from there 
because he never got to play. Right. And then I think that's – and he couldn't remember where his first one was in the Secret Service. Pretty, sir, I'm pretty sure that's one on the green. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every Secret Service guy wants to be ambassador <laughs> to Sweden, you know. And so he shot 82 that day, which is the best round of his life. I'm like, I can kind of tell why. Yeah. I mean, that is a ch- kind of cheating, but not like it's this kind no. of cheating. It's like the difference between the guy that goes into a bank and steals the pen versus the guy that goes and steals the vault. Right. It's completely two different kinds right. of cheating. They're both cheating, and they do both cheat at golf, but in completely different ways. You, you tell a story, too. He cheats on someone else's ball. A guy hit it stiff to the pin, maybe 10 feet away. You come up, it's in the trap. And somebody saw him pick the opponent's ball up and throw it in the trap. Not I mean, just anybody. Mike Tirico. Yeah. From NBC. Oh. He's playing with, with uh, uh, yes. uh, uh, Gruden right. and Sean McDonough, and, it's, and, and Tariko's against him. He hits the shot of his life. By the time he gets there, it's in the bunker, and there's no way. His caddy's like, there's no way in the bunker. They find out later, Trump kicked it in the bunker. I mean, there's a yeah. certain circle of hell for a guy right. that doesn't just mess with his score right. and make his score better. He makes yours worse. Right. I, I've never heard of that. And driving on a green of his own course. That, that's I mean, there's video. People ask me, how do you prove that? Right. There's video. So um, you spent time around him, and he elevated your own title from call. But were you publisher by the time he got done? So he cheats on we, you, too, about well, you. Well, we call it the Trump bump. Yeah. So whatever, whatever makes him look better. Like Lee Trevino. Uh, I saw Lee Trevino. I said, have you ever played? Well, one time, I, he goes, I played uh, – Trump, Florida, shot, I think, 73. I'm showered. I'm about to leave. Donald Trump comes up to me. Lee Trevino, one of the greatest players ever. What'd you shoot out here today, Lee? And Lee goes, 73. Let me introduce you around. So Trevino comes like, okay. Because Trump, if he's got somebody famous, he's going to make sure he gets a little residual fame right. out of it. This is Lee Trevino. Just shot 69. <laughs> Trevino's looking around like, Lee Trevino, one of the greatest players of all time, 12 majors. Boy, he's only won six. He just shot 65. Trevino says, Rick, I had to get out of there before I set the course record. That's unbelievable. He'd have a 57 by the time he's done. Yeah, exactly. And with me, it was, this is Rick Riley, publisher of Sports Illustrated. Publisher. I love it. Managing editor. Nice. I got a raise? Yeah. Why did you give up sports writing? Me and, and millions of other uh, fans of that back page column, for one, and then in your years of ESPN. But now you're doing books and, and movies. Do you miss having the weekly column? Or occasionally. Occasionally. I'll tell you why. Because it was so hard. <laughs> right. Because you guys would see the one column a week that worked, but I would sometimes write five, six, seven that didn't work. And it just became like I was just uh, – because people expected – to be funny yeah. or surprising or sad or heartbreaking or angry. Right. And so many didn't work. The lawyers couldn't vet them. Uh, the, the story that I was told wasn't true. And there was so much pressure. And, you know, I just I, I just was so glad to take the pressure off. So every now and then, like this Astros cheating thing. Yeah. It's just yeah. driving me crazy. Yeah. So I call well, up the Washington Twitter. Post. <laughs> I got Twitter. I'm doing something for the Atlantic on it. But, I mean – I don't remember any cheating scandal in baseball like this. No. When you cheat for two years, so I'm hoping everybody Maybe takes. Maybe Belichick and the Patriots, right? He's not near as bad. This was bad. the whole team. Yeah. yeah. So I hope every person who hates cheating goes to an Astros game, bangs trash cans <laughs> every time, or whistles. They used whistles. It's ridiculous. But anyway, 
Thank you for saying that, but I always wanted to retire at 50 and see what the rest of the world had. And yeah. I didn't get to do it till 56, but I was glad about it. Got a good life now. You're between Florence and Hermosa <laughs> right, California, right. playing the piano, golfing. But I, I got to say, one thing about your craft, we have a lot of writers come through. I'm, I'm a writer and a journalist, too. One of the hardest things for any writer to do is write funny and short. Short is harder than long. Oh, you remember Ta the great uh, A.J. Liebling line? No. Uh, sorry, it's not very good. I didn't have time to be shorter. Yeah. yeah. Which is exactly the How truth. How many words was 850. Yes, I, Always wow. 850. And people today with the Internet, like, you counted words? Right. That's all that would fit. Right. And, you know, like, I'm friends with Bill Simmons, and he's a terrific writer. Right. But I always go, Bill. You need like a Greyhound bus full of editors. Right. You just did 9,000 words on Kevin Garnett. Oh, he says, my readers expect that. Right. That's a different kind of mindset than, than what I had, which is you don't get to do 9,000 words. We have a saying in, in writing called kill your darlings. Yes. You love that sentence. It's so good, but you got to kill it right. because it doesn't – I always thought of writing as a clothesline. Here's the pole. Here's the pole. Very tight line from one pole to the other. Now – you can hang some great stories off the line, but you still got to make a tight line to the end. But that's not how it is today in, in sports writing. And I think a lot of young writers could use that limit right. to where they, where they got to be short. Right. Funny is hard. Funny, like Funny you said, is a lot really of hard. drafts, a lot of ones that don't work probably. Funny is the hardest. I mean, look at stand-up comics. They hone those, oh, those and jokes. They're, and they're all time. so messed up. I know. Because I did stand up for a while. Oh, really? And it's really hard, and everyone's sick in the head. But you remember Jim Murray? He was my hero, the great L.A. Times yes. writer. Yeah. And he said, tragedy's easy. Comedy is hard. And that is so true. It's absolutely true. Who are your heroes as writers and literary figures? Woodhouse. Okay. Damon Runyon. Yeah, I saw Dan Jenkins. Runyon Award. And, and Jim Murray. I mean, Jim yeah. Murray was so good and so pithy. Like he also was limited. I think he had 800 words. I remember after uh, a couple guys had died at the Indy 500, his lead was, gentlemen, start your coffins. Wow. I mean, how solid is that? I mean, yeah. it's just, so it just gives you a chill. Bill Kennedy's favorite writer is Damon Runyon. Really? Yeah. Didn't so you love Damon? Did you ever read Little Miss Markey where the guy, he knows he's got a sure thing, but he has no money to put down on it? And so he leaves his daughter. He says, this is my marker. Here's what I want, and I know I'm going to win, and I'll take it on the other side. And of course, he loses, and the and the gamblers, all the guys with the broken noses and the D's and D's, raised this little two-year-old. It became a movie, but it was never as good as what Damon Runyon wrote in about two thousand words. He he could carve a sentence like nobody. So what's what's next? I know you're working on projects of film projects and. Got another book. In Sold the four screenplays. One was made. One. Yeah. <laughs> but they always say they're going to make them. That's a good percentage. It's I terrible, though, because it, you know they're good. But you get paid. You get paid. <laughs> and then uh, we're living in our, uh, Italy right. parts of the year and got grandkids, playing the piano, learning Italian. And, I'm, and I got another book idea. We'll see if it comes true. I guess you're living the life of Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for being part of the Writers Institute podcast. Uh, Rick Riley's here at the Ford Orange Club. He's going to speak at the luncheon today and this evening at Page Hall. We're really excited that you're here. Thanks for being with us. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you. And tune in next time to the Writers Institute podcast. Thanks a lot.